Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Terry with Digging Through Dominoes, where we examine the dominoes of our past to change the game of our future. You know, I don't want to get all academic right now, mainly because of, you know, time concerns and everything, but I came across a meme on Facebook, and it's from at mindful.brains and at let's talk.mentalhealth. And it's called the Many Faces of Fear. And they have 25 different faces of fear. I started reading through those. And along with being a survivor of childhood and adult CPTSD, I felt each and every one of these, and I've dealt with them in very differing ways than probably someone that was not neglected and abandoned as a child and as an adult. So I wanted to go through these. Let's just talk. The first, the first one that they have is the fear of losing control. Now, as a survivor of childhood trauma and neglect, that one is really important because if we couldn't, we had no control. We had absolutely no control. There are survivors that have gone on into an entirely different realm of control and having to control absolutely everything in their life, which is more on the narcissistic route or the narcissistic edge Mine, I never really, when I think about this and myself and fear of losing control, what did I fear of losing control of? Never really anything with me. Um, I, because I had never been in control, I had always been sort of overpowered, domineered. And so that was a really strange one for me. But I do know a lot of people, a lot of survivors of this insidious situation that go on, that they have to control everything in their world. With me, I guess one thing that I do control, and this is kind of silly, I may come up with something that hits me a little bit later, is I'm incredibly disorganized in, a, in an organized way. If you could see my studio right now, you would say, oh my gosh, we need help. But I will have things out in different places and I know where they are. And if anybody moves them, I freak out. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they put them. They are never put in a place that I would suspect that they would be. And I leave things in certain areas so I know where they are. It doesn't always work. Let me tell you, it, it doesn't always work. The next fear we have is the fear of judgment. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I think this is pretty universal when it comes to CPTSD, childhood and adult trauma, neglect and abuse, narcissistic abuse, etc. Excuse me. And that is the fear of judgment. I can remember when I was a kid being so still 
so quiet in my room because either my dad was going to tell me I wasn't doing something right or my mother was going to just look at me like, why are you here? So as I, as I grew, I think I judged myself more than, um, you know, I really don't know if that's, that's true or not. Let me think about this for a minute. The fear of judgment. I know a lot of us struggle with this one. I know I struggle with it, but it's what, what I realize with me, where the judgment comes from. And this was before I started realizing what was going on is I'm hearing what people with CP, CPTSD develop and that's the inner critic that tells you 100% of the time what your parents tell you, you're wrong, you're not good enough. You're not going to be able to make that. You're not going to be able to do it. You don't have that capability. And I was very judgmental, I guess, with myself in that I didn't, I knew for a fact I could not survive on my own. I knew, I mean, that was a fact. I knew it. I think that we've spoken of that before. And so I was scared to death and I was afraid of what people thought of me to a certain extent I was really afraid of what my father thought of me I was always trying to impress my mom get my mom to acknowledge something my mother really never it's really funny we ended up having a great relationship but she never to me to my face acknowledged anything good I ever did anything I had accomplished anything the way I looked if I made something I remember in college I made the dean's list several times and I would let her know or I emailed it to her or whatever and I'd never hear anything about it and then I would ask her about it did you receive that and she said yeah I got it so yeah, the fear of judgment, that's kind of a weird one for me because I'm not really sure how to to look at it. I know that I have it. Right now, I've gotten to the point where I just don't care. I flat out don't care what you think about me. There are certain people that I do care, but very, very few. Most people it can take a very long walk on a very short pier in my life these days. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to take their judgment. When their judgment comes, it had always been coupled with the judgment of my parents, which made it this huge, huge, huge trigger for me. So we're just not going to go there. It, well, I guess we should. The other night there was this, this situation, and my husband has always had this thing that he has done, especially since we've been remarried, and I, I'm not sure if it's because there are fewer kids around or what, but he's very much a name caller. And the other night there was a situation where it had to do with my mother's roses. I had memorial roses for my mother and there were blackberries growing through them. And there was this 
I'm sitting there trying to be really quiet, playing my video poker game or whatever it was. And I said, you're not going to dig those up. And he got up and got in my face and started screaming words at me. And my daughter, who was in the room, left the room. You know, and this triggered, I think, something in him with his childhood trauma. His parents would always tell him what to do. And I'm like, you're not picking, you're not getting rid of that rose bush. Don't you tell me what to do. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me if I'm going to, I can unplant, unplant. I can dig up anything I want to in this yard and you're not going to tell me what to do. I just stay quiet because whatever, you know, I did say a few things like I'll take care of it myself. I'll take care of it myself. I tried to stay calm. I tried to breathe. I tried to realize that my reaction was coming from um, an abandonment trigger, a, a, a childhood trigger, not really abandonment, but a childhood trigger of you're no good. And he was coming from a trigger of being told what he could do and what he could not do. And it was in front of our daughter. And after she left, he was just calling me a lot of names and ended up saying things like, you are the meanest person I know. I've never met anyone as mean or cruel as you. You're a horrible person. All of these things that just really rang that bell that my parents used to ring. And I was real proud of myself at that point because I stayed calm, as calm as I could, and I just went into the bedroom. Um... And let him go ahead and say, you know, whatever he had to say. He did later something. He came back and apologized, which is something he has never done with me. And even though it wasn't in a, you know, I'm really sorry. I should never have said those things. It was a very gruff, very, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything like that. I shouldn't have called you those names. I don't know why it's so hard just to say, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But that's kind of what happened. Now, this next one here is huge, huge, huge for me. And that's the fear of being ignored. And that, you know, I was ignored all my childhood. So I was pretty much kind of comfortable with it. I was a loner. I had a couple of friends in, in school, through um, high school and jun junior high and high school. No friends in college. I was pretty much a loner. I did not want to be noticed because I didn't, people weren't safe for me. Where this really started to become a problem with me is when I got married. And I would be ignored over certain other people, other things. And I remember a lot of times when we would move or go back to Texas to see family. And my husband would see his family and I would see my family. And then we would plan days where we were supposed to go together to whichever family. And it never failed every time that we went. And he was supposed to come over to see my family. He would call me at the last minute and say, I'm not coming. It was more than devastating. You know, my mother had prepared this huge meal. My, my dad was there. My brothers were there. Everyone was there. And he just didn't show up. And so that was huge right now. And that's been something that he has done to me. I get the silent treatment a lot. And 
right now I can say it, whatever. If you want to ignore me, go right ahead because I don't care. One thing I've realized is that the more I've taken this stuff out of my life and the more I've realized, which let me come to this. Let me kind of digress a little bit. What I'm saying realized in Pete Walker's book, and I can't remember what chapter it's in. I think it may be chapter five. He talks about survivors of childhood trauma, complex PTSD, are unable to progress and make progress and start their healing journey until they make very crucial discoveries of their childhood. And they're able to sit down with all of these pieces of the puzzle of their childhood and put them together. And I remember listening to them and thinking, oh my gosh, I just did this. That's something I've been working on for the last couple of years. And I spoke with my aunt about it. And I said, is this timeline, you know, true? I don't remember the exact wording when I spoke with her, but I said, you know, granny died, grandpa died, uncle Tex died, uncle Bill died, and they're not in order right now. Aunt Lola died, Aunt Vi died, all of these deaths, all of these things. Um, she confirmed a lot of the things that my mother, which was really nice and validating that they saw, that she saw the way my parents had treated me. So it was it was really then that this puzzle started to be put together. And I, I know for a fact that that is when I was able to start healing and become more able to what they call in the narcissistic abuse community, gray rocking. You may be there. You may be throwing your fit you may be doing whatever, go ahead and do it because I'm not going to pay attention to it anymore. And that only came with healing and being able to see how my past was triggering me in my future or in my, in my present, how my past was triggering me in my present and how realizing the part of the feeling I was having was that childhood piece of being so scared, so lonely, so abandoned. Pete Walker calls it soul murder. That was part of my reaction. And then I had the other reaction to whatever was going on. So it was never a, an appropriate reaction. It was an overblown reaction that no one understood. So as soon as I started to realize my past and put together the timeline of the deaths of these people and my aunt moving away, both of my aunts moved away, my grandmother died, my, you know, there were were deaths just everywhere. And then moving from the town that I had lived in, in to the DFW area, my horse disappearing, my dogs disappearing, things like that. It started to make sense, but I really did. I had a timeline. So that timeline really helped me with a lot of these fears and saying, 
whatever. I really, I don't care. And I'm a much happier person now that I realize it doesn't matter what I have to say on the thing or whatever you want to say or whatever you think of me. It just doesn't matter. What is the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to storm out of the room and slam the door. Okay, I can live with that. So then we go on to the fear of infidelity. And this is a different one for me. I, I grew up with knowing my father was having affairs the entire time he was flying corporately. He told me about him, which I think is why it was, I felt safe to talk to my daughter about a lot of things and I shouldn't have done it. My dad was, it was very not cool for my dad to ask me if I wanted this friend of my grandmother's, she was a very sexy younger friend of my grandmother's as a stepmother or that he was sleeping with several I'm not going to name them because you will all know their names. People when he was in Jamaica were on a lot of his business trips with the people he flew for. So I always kind of had that kind of a thing going on. And I think where the fear of infidelity came with me, and I'm still having to conquer this, I'm still having to work with it, It came emotionally. It didn't come physically. It came emotionally six, about six months after. Well, no, it was before we were married. We really talked about if we have a problem in our family. And you can see 35 years later, almost, you know, however long. This is still such a core issue with me. This is how devastated I was by this issue. We had discussed if we have a problem with our family, with us, between us, we will not go to other family members. Other family members hold on to that. While they forgive you, they won't forgive your spouse. So we will go outside of the family to seek resolution. My husband did not do that. He went to his brother and spoke to his brother about a lot of things Some were true, some were not true, some were misconstrued. I'm not saying by him. um, But that caused a lifelong wound in me that he could not be trusted. It caused a lifelong separation between me and his brother. And it caused a real fear of me wanting to be around his brother because I never knew, or any of his family really, because I never knew what they were thinking. And so that's where the fear of infidelity comes for me, is not in a physical sense of the word, but in an emotional sense of the word. Then we come to the fear of being alone. Oh my gosh, I was so afraid to be alone for so, so long. So many years, I was afraid to be alone. Which is weird because I pretty much kept people at arm's length. I really did try in my marriage for a long, long time, but it got to the point where I realized, you know, where I was in the scheme of things. And I still fought for it. 
for a long time until I realized, well, in, until I kind of crashed and burned and went out on my own. And um, that's where I really learned after the divorce is when I learned that I wasn't afraid to be alone anymore that it was actually much more peaceful when I was alone than when I was with uh, with other people. So that doesn't, is not really a, um, a thing in my life right now. Yeah, I think, no, I can't say that. I was going to say, yeah, I think maybe, I, I, I can't say that I've, I've made a, a reconnection with someone from my past, that has been wonderful. It's been such a wonderful, refreshing reconnection. And it's someone that I, I don't want to lose. I want to keep them in my life. But it's, so, it's on a different level. It's not on a romantic level. It's not on any level like that. As far as me, I think any relationship, there is no chance of one anymore, ever. My ideal right now would be being alone on a beach with my surfboard and a, not a book, but like an audio book or something. And fear of rejection. I was rejected my entire life by my family. I wasn't rejected by my aunts. I was not in- rejected by my grandmother, her family. I was rejected continually by my parents. My brothers and I never had a very close, I thought one of my brothers and I had a very close relationship, but it turns out we didn't. So none of my brothers and I are close. But the fear of rejection was something that was pretty strong in me and that it was a childhood fear. And when something would happen and I would be rejected, I think it also kept me away from a lot of people. Because I knew I wasn't good enough. And if I got into a situation, they're just going to figure it out and they're going to reject me. So it was kind of this weird sort of dynamic in my mind of knowing I wasn't going to, I wasn't good enough. So I sort of shielded myself from rejection. Now, there were times being rejected, genuinely hurt. And there were times when rejection I thought at the time hurt badly and that I wasn't going to be able to to even live when the truth was I was reliving a flashback from childhood and I was feeling how horrible a child feels in that position when there is absolutely no one that can take care of them. They're not good enough. They'll never be good enough and they will be left. So in my adult life, that has followed me. Right now, the fear of rejection, I think if my dog decided she didn't like me, I I couldn't do that. Um, My son and I are pretty close. This person that has come back into my life, I'm very close with and I really am enjoying slowly building a relationship with them. And, you know, I think rejection is one of those things, too. I've lived with it for so long that, (laughs) you know, I almost wonder if that's why I kept my friends so limited. I have lots of acquaintances, and I have some very, very close people that I know I can count on no matter what. 
But I know there were a lot of people I stayed away from because I didn't want to chance it. So that's a lot of these are really weird for me. Um, leave in the comments, what are your thoughts about some of these? How do you feel? How do you cope with them? The, the next one is the fear of intimacy. So this is another one I have a completely different take on. Um, intimacy, since I, I, yes and no. I think since I had the earlier life that I had with the childhood, childhood stuff with my doctor, um, the situation on a date, I'm trying to say this so I can make sure I, can uh, publish to YouTube as well that left me pregnant with my first son intimacy to me was was uh, never really I don't think I really developed proper feelings around that I think it was it always scared me Right now, I don't want anything to do with it because I don't want to allow anyone to get that close to me again. So my feelings around that are really, really weird. Um, hope I can stop saying, um, yeah, fear of intimacy. I, I wouldn't say it's a fear of intimacy. Well, yeah, I guess it is a fear of intimacy because if you're intimate with someone, that opens up a whole new level. I'm not willing to open that level again, I don't think, for the rest of my life. Unless it's an emotional intimacy. And there, I'm starved for emotional intimacy. Fear of abandonment. Yes, very much fear of abandonment. When I was, when I was young, how do, you guys, how do you guys cope with that? I, I had a fear of abandonment for so long. My husband... I mean, it was like every week, I'm not, maybe not every week, every argument, I'm leaving you. Since we were married, I'm leaving you. And it frightened me to death. I was so afraid. Once again, I didn't realize that it was childhood stuff sneaking in there. And that gave him a tremendous power over me. Because groveling is not a good look on anyone. And that fear of abandonment from my parents, coupled with his continually telling me he was going to leave me, it, it, it crippled me in a way to where my first thought was, if, if I'm not good enough to have someone be with me, I shouldn't be taking another breath. And so that really got out of hand. And that was something else I learned in the divorce and since then is your words have no power. And I'm not just speaking of his, but of anyone's words. They have no power unless I give them power. And I choose not to give them power. And I can honestly say I'm cool with that. Yeah, there are a couple of people like my aunts. I would love to hear from them. I, I, I do feel pretty abandoned. And I know that they're struggling with some mistruths, some untruths 
that they've heard that they have no way of knowing whether or not they're true because all of they saw me do was fly into a heaping flame of just destruction. But they haven't been there to see the rebuilding and how that process has has changed my entire life. The fear of being hurt. I think that's something, speaking for myself, with the childhood I had, yeah, I, 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 I struggled with that for quite some time. But I think I also got to a point where I started, began to safeguard myself in that aspect. And in actuality, I was very reckless in a lot of areas. I don't think I felt I was really worth being safe in a lot of, in a lot of ways. That's a really horrible thing for anyone to feel because everyone is worth being safe. Everyone is worth not being hurt. I mean, it's inevitable step on a rock. Someone's going to say something stupid, but not as a way of life. And unfortunately for me, it's been a way of life. And I can see where I kept a lot of people, a lot of things at arm's length. I was severely hurt on my 60th birthday because it was... It was my expectations or maybe my wishes from childhood that at least my husband would acknowledge something other than just, I don't know, I can't put all that on him because a lot of that came with my own expectations that I didn't really realize. Like I told you guys, I had no clue until I was in the middle of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in an emotional flashback about my from my childhood. And that's pretty embarrassing. But I apologized to, to him and, and to everyone involved and tried to explain to the best of my knowledge why I felt the way I did, why I said the things I said. Fear of adversity and hardship. I don't think I've ever had that because my my life while it's always looked pretty while it's always looked pretty um picture perfect I guess from the outside it's never been on the inside it's always been full of adversity if I was not in an adverse position my kids were in an adverse position and I was trying to have doctors and psychiatrists and keeping kids from fighting and fighting the foster system and all of that. So adversity and hardship really have not affected me. And I wouldn't say that's from a financial privileged viewpoint. I would say from an emotional viewpoint, that's how I'm speaking. It just has not been something. I've always had a tenacity and I think that tenacity is something that has come from the way I've had to live my life. If I was not tenacious with my life, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to survive a lot of the things that I've survived. The fear of criticism. You know what? 
I have that. I have that. But a lot of, for most of my life, I haven't really given a flying F about criticism. And I'm not, I think maybe because I lived with it for so long from, from such a young age that I was just used to it. Now, my husband will criticize me and that does bother me. But right now I can tell the reason it bothers me is because I feel it coming from authority. My father, my mother. So if you're a criticism, I think in reality, criticism would have been much more difficult for me to take in the past than it is now. If you want to criticize me, and if it's constructive criticism, please, I would love it. I, that is my goal, better my life. Let's get on with this and have a good time. But if you're going to criticize me just because you're being ugly, go for it. You're not, you're not going to do anything to me. It, it, that really doesn't, it doesn't bother me. If you're being disliked, I think because I was so disliked by my mother and I really watched my grandmother and one of my aunts and their personalities, I sort of took on their persona. I'm very, very much a people person when we're in a crowd. You know, I can do public speaking. I can do bike rallies. I can do commercials. I can do whatever and I am fine. If we get in a small group one-on-one, that bothers me. Uh, it, I don't know if it's a fear of being disliked or if it's a fear of getting too close to people that they may see behind the facade. That's one thing, you know, I'm still working on that. I think that's going to be an ever-evolving situation, really, for me. The fear of separation Yes, I I had great separation anxiety for a long time. But I, as I said, this marriage has taught me, you know, if I'm going to be continually threatened, okay, I'm, why is there a reason? I, I don't need to fear separation right now. If someone doesn't want to be in my life, they don't want to be in my life. That's not my choice and it's not my point or my place to worry about. All it's going to do is put negativity into my life. At this point, I'm trying to be negativity free. <laughs> and it's, not, it, it, it's, it's gone so, so good. I mean, it's gone well so far. Even to where I haven't watched the news in years. I... Um, it was just because I got a flash on my phone today that I knew that Ivana Trump had died. So I try to stay away from the news. I don't want to hear conspiracy theories. I don't want to hear a lot of the stuff because it's negative BS. Even on social media, I really backed off because I'll see people posting things like, if you need a reason to delete me, I'm blank, 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 blank come on, they're my age and they're acting like children. Or if you like blank, 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 just delete yourself so I don't have to do it. 
Really? Are we really going to live our lives in seventh grade? I don't think so. I'm not going to do it. I'm choosing not going to happen. Fear of being misunderstood. The fear of being misunderstood has stopped me from a lot of things. And I have felt the need to not only explain, but over explain. Not really in the attempt of being understood, but I think it's more in the attempt of trying to be heard. I think that's what most people want to do. Uh, I'm not sure if it would be understood or if, you know, agreeing with someone. I think most people, what they really want at the base is the feeling of being heard. And if I'm not going to be heard, why even go into that conversation? You know, I'm trying to assess things a lot differently now in my life. And if someone's not going to hear me, there's no reason for me to waste that energy on it. I can put that energy to better use in something else. Fear of not being loved. The only, no, I don't have that fear. I know my son loves me. I know my grandson loves me. I know my grandkids do. I know they have those memories. I don't have the fear of not being loved. I have been loved. And love to me is a very dangerous game. And it's really not anything on an intimate level I ever want to experience again. Fear of commitment. Very much so. I used to never be. I used to never have a fear of commitment. I, I was the one jumping into things way too soon, way too quickly before surveying anything because I knew I wasn't worth anything. And so why not just jump right in? Right now, I have a huge fear of commitment with people, relationships, um, with just about everything except for working on myself. I don't fear that anymore. Fear of making mistakes. I used to be really afraid of making mistakes. And people would hold that over my head. Oh, you screwed this up. Oh, why don't you do this? Oh, you know, you didn't do this right. And it, it really didn't come out as a fear of make, making mistakes. It came more out of, as a fear of being defective. And now I realize a mistake really isn't negative in the sense that we think it is. A mistake is one more way something didn't work. And hopefully now I'm done with that. If I make a mistake, great, that's a triumph. Now in this day and age, I can say, you know what? I made that mistake. I'm not going to do it again. We're not going to go for the third time's a charm. No. Make the mistake, learn from this mistake. That's where I am at this point in my life. Thank goodness. Fear of the unknown. I don't really have any fear of the unknown except for whatever is in the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> that scares me. The fear of the unknown, I think the unknown for me personally is more of an excitement you know, starting with riding my motorcycle in 2005, 
2006, that helped me conquer a lot of fears. So the fear of the, of the unknown, truth, that's not anything I have. And if any of you, like I said, have any of these fears, let me know how they, how they manifest in your life and what steps you're taking to change it, to control it, or how you deal with that. Because I know the people in the comment section too, they would love to hear your answer to a lot of these things and how you deal with things. Fear of being imperfect. I've been imperfect my entire life. I did have for quite a, a while, I think, a fear of letting that facade of being perfect slip because I had been so berated by my parents for so long that I had pretty much built up this, I wouldn't say it was impenetrable, but a facade of, um, you know, kind of another personality. I think a lot of actors and actresses do this, and when they're on stage, they're on and I can call that part of my personality up and I can be on stage. I can be on. I can be friendly and fun and outgoing. And so that just really, it, it doesn't, if there is not one thing in this world that is perfect, nothing is perfect. So why would I fear imperfection? Why would I let that have control over me? I can't achieve it. So why should I worry about it? And like I said, this, these are the ways I'm seeing things now at 60 years old, as opposed to 50 or 40. You know, have, I was obsessed with making the perfect dinners for my kids, making their, their perfect birthday dinner, their perfect birthday cake, things like that. And even in that, I failed so spectacularly that, it, you know, looking back on it is a great privilege to be able to realize there is no such thing as perfection. Fear of embarrassment. I have never been afraid to be embarrassed. Never. that I've never had that. And I think, again, that was conditioning from my parents. My, that's one of the things my dad would do. I think one of, I'm trying to judge time here. One of the things, no, I don't even think that. I, I really don't think I have ever had a fear of embarrassment. I've always pretty much been able to laugh it off unless it was something that someone said in a mean way and it wasn't really embarrassment then it was more of going back to being the perfect flawed person that would never achieve anything so embarrassment has never been I don't know if that's a weird thing to say or not, but I've really not had that fear of embarrassment. It's weird. I should think more about that. Is that a problem? The fear of death. I, I used to have the fear of dying alone because one of my grandmothers died alone. But then as I grew older and was able to look at her life, I realized those were from her choices. And my friend Margot 
pretty much died alone. Those were from her choices. These people made choices that pushed people from their lives. The fear of dying alone no longer bothers me. I want to be with my parents. I want to be with my grandson. I want to be with my son. I want to be with my other son. No, the fear of death, I, I don't really have. I mean, I have a healthy fear of death. I'm not reckless in my car. I'm not reckless on my motorcycle. You know, I don't run up and down the stairs or anything like that. And I go to the doctor when I'm supposed to. But as far as lying awake at night, being afraid that I'm going to die, no. No, I don't have that. The fear of humiliation, yes. And I think that was because it has been used very successfully with me since the time I was born until the present day. You know, the other night with the thing with the roses, I... That crossed my mind, but I, main, I maintained control during that situation. So that crossed my mind. Is he going to try and humiliate me again in front of her? But no, he didn't. What he pretty much did was he, he ended up humiliating himself. The fear of humiliation has been big with me because that was so strongly used against me. Right now, I can I can say it doesn't really bother me. It is it is probably something that still is a little prickly to me, but it's not an overwhelming sensation. It's nothing that's going to stop me in my tracks. The fear of change. Oh my gosh, no! In some ways, yeah, I do fear change. In some ways, or I used to fear it a lot more. Now I don't fear it so much. I'm very comfortable in my home. I love my home. But the fear of change, the fear of something happening and something in my life changing. No, my gosh. At this point, it's very, very welcome. You know, I have been through so much that my life has changed constantly. And I think at this point, it has changed for the better. I think if anything, I would fear reverting to the person I was, which I don't think there's a chance of happening. And then the fear of success, yes. The fear of success was successfully ingrained on me. And I do self-sabotage a lot. If I think someone's getting too close to me, I'll stop. This podcast was really scary to me because I wondered, are you going to sabotage it, Terry? Are you going to get too afraid and you're going to believe your parents again that you can't do anything? No. Look at all you've learned in 60 years. Look at all I've learned in the last two years. No, the fear of success no longer has the grip that it did have on me. But yet it is something that I still struggle with. And with that, that's what we have for today. You guys, thank you so much. Like I said, please leave a review. Leave a great review. 
wherever you pod, you listen to your podcast, give us, a, you know, five stars, leave a review, converse with some of the other followers and listeners so that this, so this story, which can also, I'm, I'm sure is your story, you wouldn't be listening, can get out to more people so they know they are not alone in this game of life. I want to thank you guys. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great afternoon.
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Digging with Dominoes. I'm your host, Terry Anderson. And gosh, I miss this week. I have been so sick and you could probably still hear it in my voice. And I've got my little trusty uh, LaCroix water here in my uh, very bedazzled Starbucks cup. If that was a little ASMR, there you go. If not, well, I'm so sorry. Yes, yeah, so this is going to be posting Friday, July 15th. Because I missed Tuesday, and I am also, I've been recording all day. I'm going to record tomorrow and have some episodes up. I'm taking off this weekend on a trip with my son. Where does it have the, let me hear. Oh, no, we don't want that one. Now I have no idea what it's what it's doing on the recording. Let's start this over. Hello, everyone. And why is my is my uh, thing working? Hello. Hello, hello, hello. I don't know if I don't know. Hello. The heck. Hello, hello. Hello. That's for some reason my headphones are not working. Hello, hello, hello. These are not working. What the hell's going on? What the hell? Hey. 